Hot Biscuits. The Jewels of the Trade podcast. Encouraging professionals with industry inspiration, gemology, and more. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Jewels of the Trade. I'm Jordan. And I'm Hunter. And today we're talking about jade jewelry. We're going to be interviewing Jeff Mason of Mason K. Jade. It has been the leading U.S. jade supplier since 1976. And Jeff is considered one of the top jade experts in the country. So we are very excited to talk to him. We're going to be talking to him about the differences between jadeite and nephrite. Um, facts about treated jade and dealing with some other myths that exist uh, about jade on the internet. Jade is a pretty personal subject for Hunter and I, which comes to no surprise for anybody who knows us personally. Hunter, how about you tell everybody a little bit about your experience with jade and how you came to love it so much? So this story starts in 2020 when we went to Tucson for the first time. And we were touring the, the, the show and came across Jade, and I was fascinated immediately. Uh, we left having not purchased anything. And so the next day, I had to go back again. And I don't remember how many times I ended up going back. I think it was four. Um, but I knew I was hooked. I think he's really downplaying his obsession here, you guys. He looked at Jade for the first time, and he looked at me, and he said, I'm never wearing any other gemstone ever again. and it's been true so far. I mean, it's been almost two years now. Well, I definitely haven't bought anything else. Uh, I still have some pieces, but Jade has been my only purchase since we saw it in Tucson. Hunter is actually so dedicated that he literally got his ear pierced just so he could wear a Jade earring. I have two now looking for a third. <laughs> and he wears a jade bead. He wears um, a strand of jade beads with a gold pendant. And then he has a couple of nephrite rings that he also wears. So I think Hunter is, I think he fancies himself a jade collector, oh, right, Hunter? Certainly. My, my next edition is going to be a jade wedding band to replace my current ring. So that's, uh, I have plans. I have plans. <laughs> we're always on the hunt for more jade. So today we're doing an interview with Jeff Mason, and it's to clear up uh, some confusions and misunderstandings that exist on the internet uh, to help out retailers with accurate information so that uh, if they would like to sell jade, then they will have all the tools at their disposal to uh, communicate with customers on an informed level. When I worked in a retail store, I never knew what to say to people who were shopping for jade. I didn't work in a store that carried it, and none of us knew very much about it. And oftentimes, we would refer customers out, which was uh, which was lost sales for us. And since being in wholesale, I've actually met a number of retailers who feel the same way and are admittedly intimidated by jade. There is quite a bit of confusion on nomenclature and a lot of uncertainty due to treatments. But one of the things that Mason K does is educate retailers and customers to kind of clear up some of that confusion as well as offer testing so that retailers who are buying and selling jade can be certain of exactly what they're selling and instill that confidence in their customer. So without further ado, here is Jeff Mason. Hey, my name is Jeff Mason. I've been involved in our family business for what, almost 40 years now. My father and uncle started it. We specialize in jade jewelry, natural jadeite jade, that is. There are two different kinds of jade, nephrite jade and jadeite jade. There is confusion even in the industry between the two. So to separate them quickly, I will tell you that 
Uh, they're both correctly called jade. Nephrite jade has been around for five, six, seven, some even say 8,000 years in the Chinese culture, way back when it was used for weapons and tools. As the centuries went on, it became used for adornment and eventually jewelry. Jadeite jade wasn't discovered until the late, mid to late 1700s in northern Burma. At the time of the discovery, interestingly, they just assumed it was more of the same jade. It came in a, a greater variety of colors and more vivid colors in each of the colors that it came in. And the Chinese knew, therefore, there was something special about that jade. But it was just considered jade, just like all the rest that was found all over the world. However, 100 years later, about 100 years later, in the late 1800s, a French mineralogist discovered the mineralogical differences and that is when they were separated into jadeite jade and nephrite jade. And for people who don't know, what exactly is jadeite jade? Jadeite jade is what we sell. It's the more gem quality of the jades. And it, due to supply and demand, of course, there's one supply and a lot of demand, whereas with nephrite, there's a lot of supply and not quite as much demand. So the supply and demand factor makes jadeite uh, expensive. And obviously, in its finer qualities, it can be very expensive. This is the business we've done, and we've been doing it for 40 years, and we've uh, become somewhat known in this field. And most people wonder why we're not Chinese, but this is the business we started, and we've uh, evolved in it, and here we are. Well, Jeff, I, you know, I've traveled a lot, and I, I obviously talked to a lot of retailers and other professionals about Jade and about Mason K. Jade, of course, and I am always so impressed at Mason K.'s reputation and how the industry really looks to Mason K. Jade for not just information and product, but for testing and, uh, and for valuing of Jadeite Jade. Yes, we have for decades offered services to our customers. They often have needed help with pricing, and we've helped them with pricing for appraisal purposes for goods they might have purchased off the street and want to price accurately in their store. But when BJ came around in the early 80s, it was important to differentiate natural from treated. We, shortly after that, acquired the equipment for testing for impregnation, which is an expensive piece of equipment called an infrared spectrometer. It was necessary when working with our retail store customers, assisting them with values to test for them, because what good would it be to tell them, well, your piece would be worth X amount if it's natural. Now you have to go determine if it's natural when we could determine that ourselves. So while we're not really a lab, I've never been a lab, we do offer lab services for our customers. And we've even opened that up to the public at large. So we can test a piece, let somebody know if it's natural jadeite or not. Well, first let them know if it's jadeite. A lot of pieces come to us that are not even jadeite. But if it is jadeite, we test for authenticity. And if it's natural jadeite, we could then go on to the valuation part of the process. So we do offer those services. And Jeff, I'm sure people rely on your eye quite a bit too, and just your amount of experience that you've had with jade. I mean, you've probably seen, what, thousands of pieces of jade? Absolutely. And that's uncommon in this industry for jade. There are so many professionals in this industry who, while they may learn about jade in an academic setting, they may still need help as a professional simply because they haven't had enough hands-on experience with jade. Like most gemstones, unless you work with it often, it's hard to know. 
It's hard to keep sense of value. You have to work with it often. In fact, when we get pieces in to assess value for, I play a little game with myself. I come up with a value I think might be accurate off the top of my head based on my knowledge and experience and such. But then to really do the right uh, job for the customer, I take it and compare it to our inventory and compare it to similar items and find items that are maybe not quite as good and maybe items that are a little better and therefore I can hone in on exactly what value it would be and see how close I might have come originally. Often I'm pretty close, but sometimes I'm not. So it really helps to actually have a large inventory of product to compare to. I think that's encouraging to hear, Jeff, because so many people feel pressure when they see a stone to kind of uh, make an off the top of their head call like, oh, well, this is this is this carrot and this is this value. And with jade especially, and I, I believe this with all gemstones, but especially jade, it's not that easy. And even you, a jade expert at the expert level that you're at, you're still relying on extra information and comparing to other pieces of product. There's so many varieties and hues and tones of color that it's difficult to get uh, exact on every piece. You really have to compare. That's really one of the things I think that makes jade so unique too and such a mystery. I know jade is often called the inscrutable gem. It's it's very misunderstood across the board, especially in the American market, I think. And I think that's what's going to make this topic so interesting today. So that was a little introduction about Mason K. Jade and about their company. I really want to get into some of the nitty gritty details because we're going to have a lot of people listening to this podcast who have questions about why jade. What makes Jade so special? So, Jeff, you wrote an article last year that was actually featured in ICA's Winter 2020 In Color issue about Jade. As the owner of Mason K. Jade and one of the top Jade experts in the country, your knowledge is invaluable for the gemological community and to independent jewelry stores. Tell us about the rarity of Jade and your perspective on what makes Jade so incredibly special. Well, the rarity I touched on a bit, it comes from one location in the world in gem quality at least. It does come from some other locations, but not really in gem quality. The most important of those locations would be Guatemala, the Central American jadeite, which actually was discovered and had been around far before uh, Burmese jadeite. But the cultures really didn't speak to each other in ancient times, and so there was not the awareness that there was jade in Central America as well as the other kind of jade in, in Asia. But the rarity of gem quality jade, it comes from one place and most obviously of what comes out of Northern Burma is not in finer quality. So the, the better and certainly the finer quality pieces are incredibly rare and obviously uh, high prices are paid for them. What makes jade unique is quite a few things. One of the reasons is its toughness. Now, toughness is different from hardness. Most people in the industry understand that, but I, I find plenty that don't. Uh, toughness is its resistance to breakage, whereas hardness is its resistance to scratching. One is surface and one is internal structure. Uh, having said that, jade has an incredible toughness. Well, the only stone tougher than jade is hematite. Within the jades, nephrite is slightly tougher than jadeite, but they're both very, very tough. This allows carvers to carve wonderful, intricate carvings that can hold up. It also allows bangles to be carved and worn. You don't see bangles made in other gemstones because they don't hold up. So its toughness is one of the reasons that it makes it unique. Jade has a granular structure. 
Interestingly, unlike other fine gemstones, ruby, emerald, sapphire, diamond, jade has a granular internal structure. Uh, the others have a crystalline internal structure. And a granular internal structure allows for more strength, and that is why it's so tough. But there is some variance within that granular structure. Picture, for example, three jars, one full of rocks, a second jar full of pebbles, and a third jar full of grains of sand. The jar with rocks in it will have a lot of space, void areas between each rock because the rocks are large. This is when the grain boundaries are quite large. Pebbles are an example of moderately spaced grains that create jade that's, that's strong, but not as strong as jade that's got very fine grains. Very fine-grained uh, material is the strongest because it has the least spacing between grains. It also, by the way, creates translucency. So translucent jades not only look the best and are worth the most, but are the toughest as well. Another reason jade is unique is its glow and its fine qualities, unlike those other fine gemstones, it exhibits a glow. When I say glow, it comes from that internal translucency that when it's cut well and the light hits it right, it exhibits a glow that we call life. It's got life. Other gemstones can be gorgeous. I love sapphires, rubies, emeralds, diamonds, but they just don't have that internal life that fine jade can have. Most jade isn't that fine, of course, but finer gemstones have this life that you just don't see in other fine gemstones. And as we touched on earlier too, another reason for the uniqueness of jade is its limitless colors. Uh, there are six basic colors. In the order of value, they are green, lavender, colorless, which is often referred to as ice or icy, uh, and then red, yellow, white, and gray or black. Those are six or seven colors, but each of those colors comes in so many different hues that it's basically unlimited. And that is something that most other gemstones don't have. There are different hues in other gemstones, but not quite as many as there is in jade. And I would love to kind of backtrack a little bit and talk about ice jade in particular we've definitely seen lately at trade shows and with social media a lot of the market seems very captivated by ice jade and very interested in this mysterious moonstone look-alike can you talk a little bit about this unique stone that so many people who have even dealt with jade haven't actually seen in real life sure well it's a bit of a newer find uh, probably 25, 30, 40 years now that ice jade has been mined in quantities and put on the market in quantities. It's desirable because, first of all, it's translucent. Uh, if it's not translucent, it wouldn't be in that icy category. And as I said, translucent jade is always desirable. So ice jade, although it doesn't have color, it exhibits usually a glow when it has a little bit more inclusions, it's, it tends to be what we call more of the milky qualities. But when you get the icy qualities, it can have a wonderful glow. And the lack of color actually 
can become very desirable. People love diamonds. It's a great stone for an engagement piece of jewelry when somebody wants to go away from a diamond, uh, which we're seeing more and more of these days. We've sold more and more ice jade rings for engagements. It's a very attractive, popular stone, and it's different. People don't know it's jade. As you say, people walk up to our booth and say, oh, I didn't know you carried moonstone. And we have to explain, no, actually, that's colorless jadeite called ice jade. It is a popular variety. It's popular, and I think it's growing in popularity just the more that people see it and become enamored with it because of its appearance, of course, like you said, but also because of its durability. I think jade gets left out of the conversation too often when discussing colored gemstones that are tough enough for everyday wear. Oh, absolutely. As, as we've said, it's, it's tougher than all of them. It's technically tougher than diamond. If you go by the fracture toughness scale, jadeite can actually be up to 24 times harder to break than diamond. And correct me if I'm wrong, I believe because of its granular structure, jadeite doesn't cleave the way that a regular diamond or gemstone does. Is that correct? That's correct. So that means that if it's hit just right, it won't have a whole plane kind of slide off like you would have in a normal gemstone. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Because that's probably not a concept that I can explain very well. Well, no, you had it Pretty right. It's due to its crystalline structure versus uh, the granular structure of jadeite. Uh, Cleavage doesn't occur in a granular stone. You do get feathers. You do get fracture lines. That happens. And, uh, you know, that's a very important factor in jadeite. You want to avoid fractures. And when you do have jadeite that has too many fractures, that tends to end up being treated, which, again, we'll discuss a little bit later. But uh, no, the the cleavage uh, issue is not a problem in jadeite like it is in other gemstones. I love it. I love jade as a bridal alternative. And I hope that people who are hearing this will start adding it to their lists of colored stones to offer their customers who want something other than diamond. So we've discussed history. We've discussed rarity. We've talked about colors and about the very exciting ice jade that we're seeing more and more of on social media. So I'm really hoping that our listeners are getting a good concept for particularly natural jade. And of course, we're going to talk about treated here in a minute. Can we talk about the jade market, jade customers, especially in the U.S.? Who's buying jade? Where are they buying jade? I feel that many people, even professionals in this industry, are under the false impression that jade is strictly for the Chinese market. But we're definitely, and have for a while, seeing a lot of demand in the American market. Yeah, Westerners appreciate jade, not as much as Asians. They don't understand it as much as Asians do, but it certainly is not only Asians that buy it. Absolutely. As far as the market, I'll break it up into two parts. There's the wholesale market and the retail market. The wholesale market, we've learned over these last couple of decades that jadeite jade needs to be sold to the independent jeweler that differentiates natural gemstones from treated gemstones and who has a buyer that Uh, looks for natural gemstones and cares about the differentiation. We used to, in decades past, sell to some of these big box type of retailers. I won't mention any names. But when treated jade became popular, evident, and all over the place, it became clear that the big box stores and the customers that buy jewelry from those big box stores aren't the ones that are 
concerned about authenticity that much. They're more interested in price. And if they see a gorgeous looking jade in a ring for $49.99 versus a lighter color with maybe some modeling for a couple of hundred, well, they're going to go for the treated piece at $49.99. So we realize that that's not our market anymore. And uh, our market is better jewelry stores who buy better jewelry and sell better jewelry to customers that look for better jewelry. Exactly. And that's really one of the many advantages of shopping with an independent jeweler is having that expertise and that aspect of client education. If you go to a major chain store where the sales associate is not educated on jewelry, they don't recognize that that $49.99 piece of jade is not natural or possibly not even jade, whereas in an independent jewelry store, obviously the bar is set a lot higher. And once, I believe, once an associate is able to explain to the customer that there is natural, there is treated, natural's better, treated's not worth it, I think that that sale comes naturally and it's just a lot easier once the client is educated on that difference. Absolutely, yeah. I've uh, walked through a lot of big box retailers quote unquote, and stopped at their jewelry counters and asked them questions about the jade they have. And the people really don't know anything about it. They probably just came from a different department a week before. And, you know, it's just not the place to sell fine jewelry. So at the retail level, there are still a lot of Asian buyers at the retail level, but there's more and more Western buyers all the time. And a jade buyer tends to be a buyer for life. When they discover jade, they buy their first piece, they usually buy a second piece and a third piece in the same color to go with it, maybe a pair of earrings to go with the ring or the pendant, and then they move on to a different color. So a jade buyer is a great buyer to have at the retail level. I think you could even say a jade customer, they get spoiled by jade. And in fact, a lot of jade customers are self-shoppers. A lot of jade customers are repeat buyers because they love having a piece that they can wear every day. They don't have to worry about it as much as some other colored stones. And there's the wow factor as well. You know, you're going through the grocery store and everybody wants to stop you and look at your hand and, oh my gosh, let me see your ring and let me see your necklace. And, you know, we've experienced that a lot with Hunter wearing jade just because he's a man. He wears a jade earring. He wears jade beads. And it's a great conversation starter. And people love to ask about it and learn more. And it's infected a lot of people with the bug too. Yeah, people really um, come to like it when they understand it and know it. And that's why education is important. We have to educate a lot. One last thing I'll mention in, uh, as far as market conditions with regard to jade is, is the overall market with regard to pricing. It should be pointed out that while we consume jade to whatever extent we do here in the West, jade pricing is determined in the East, basically China. That's where the greatest demand is. And if demand goes up there, if their economy is strong, pricing is going to go up. If their economy is weak, likely jade pricing is going to go down. So the pricing really isn't determined by our economy or anything, any conditions in the West. It's almost always what's going on in, in Asia, specifically China. And this brings up an interesting topic that I, I typically try to avoid. A lot of people say that jade is an investment. Now, I personally try to avoid saying that any type of jewelry is an investment, but it, a lot of people commonly say this because there's such a huge resale market and so much demand for jade. What is your perspective on that opinion? 
any jewelry you buy at retail and then try to sell back to the trade, I guess you can't call an investment because you probably aren't going to get what you paid unless you waited many, many years. But in general, yeah, th there's a resale market in Jade. Estate pieces are strong. We buy estate pieces all the time. They're very desirable, maybe even more desirable than newer pieces these days. I'll tell you a quick story. In 2008, we had our financial hardships here in the U.S., and everything became difficult in 2009 and into 2010. You know, people weren't buying. Everybody was being a little careful. Well, China's economy ramped up in 2010 and became very strong for about the next four years. So the fact that our economy was a little soft didn't really matter. The jade business was very strong in 2011, 12, 13, and 14 due to China's economy. And then when China's economy weakened in about 2015, things dropped off a bit. And it, it's kind of been that way ever since. And so that's, that's an example of our economy being weak, but theirs being strong. And it increased the business for jade. And then the reverse happened and business softened a bit for jade and prices softened. It really is the China market that, that determines pricing. Very interesting. Well, Jeff, I think we've kept everybody waiting long enough. It's time to talk about natural versus treated jade. This will particularly interest the jewelry retail professional who's buying jewelry off the street and is uncertain about possibly buying jade pieces from customers. So Jeff, take it away. Yes, this is quite an important topic. There's a lot of treated jade on the market. Let me just back up a bit. Jade had been dyed for possibly over a century now, but dyeing of jadeite wasn't that common, and it was pretty obvious when it was done. Uh, you, you can see color concentrations in the veins, and it was somewhat of a bluish color, and, and as I say, it was pretty rare, so it wasn't that much of a problem. In about 1980, some say the late 70s, some say early 80s, a new treatment began. It was one in which poor jade that would have been left in the mines was now extracted and bleached with an acid substance for days or weeks to leach out any impurities that might be in the stone, any blackish, brownish, iron staining. And jade often has a lot of uh, fracturing when extracted from the mines. So the bleaching process actually creates more fracturing but it leaches out any and all impurities in the stone. The second step of the process is impregnation, usually with a resin or polymer type of clear substance that enters the stone, usually with the help of a centrifuge, pushing that polymer into the stone. It can take days, and then the stone is polished, and the result is a lovely-looking stone that technically is not dyed, but... The color that was in the stone is now more easily uh, thrown around the stone. It's, it's been enhanced. So people do say it's color enhanced, although technically it isn't dyed. That is what we call BJ, B as in bleached. That's what the B stands for. There is also CJ, which is dyed, which I just talked about, which is still pretty rare. But what there is a lot now is B plus CJ, and this is where... In between the two impregnation processes, after the bleaching but before the impregnation, they dye the stone. After bleaching, it becomes very porous, and the stone is able to accept uh, things that will soak into it. One of those, of course, can be dyed. So they sometimes just submerge the piece in a dye, and the whole piece becomes dyed, or what's more common is they'll paint 
a more natural looking dye on the piece while it's able to absorb it in between the two processes. And then they'll polymer treat it and uh, polish it and uh, create the finished piece. And that will look great because it's dyed and impregnated. And this is a real problem today. Dyeing of jade can be detected with standard gemological equipment, a spectroscope basically, a visible light handheld spectroscope can detect dye it's not the easiest call to make, but it, it can be made. Unfortunately, detecting polymer or resin or wax or whatever might be impregnated in the stone is more difficult, and one has to use advanced equipment. One has to use, like I mentioned earlier, an infrared spectrometer or something more advanced than that. There are pieces of gemological equipment that cost five times that piece, and uh, that can detect it as well. But unless you have something like that, you cannot detect impregnation. So one has to send it to an expert. And I do want to clarify because we might have some listeners who don't understand the importance of natural jade over treated jade. They may say, well, why why does it matter if it's treated or not? And and the truth is there's a huge wearability difference, a huge durability difference, a huge value difference. And Jeff, I do want to ask you because this is something that I have heard a lot and I'm wondering if it's true. Um, some people say that in the case of bee jade, after the acid bleaching, some of the acid actually remains in the gemstone and over time can leak out onto the wearer's skin and even cause burns. Is this true? I have heard of those cases, yes, and they're rare, but they can happen if the piece wasn't finished off properly. But if it's finished off properly, that shouldn't happen. But just to briefly discuss the differences in value, a treated jade piece has been compromised to a point at which some even argue that it isn't jade anymore because it's, it's changed that internal granular structure and it's weakened it quite a bit. So every time, for example, we are asked to place a hinge and a clasp on a bangle that has been broken, we always say, well, we must test it first because often those turned out to be treated and that's why they broke because they were a lot more fragile. So treated jade is not only not the color that it was originally if it is dyed, and in some cases even without dye, it's color enhanced, but it's been compromised by the bleaching and the impregnation, uh, making the stone far weaker, and sometimes a dye can even fade over time too. Uh, that's been seen. So it's very unstable, and the, the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, states that if a treatment in a gemstone creates a difference in value, a substantial difference in value, or a difference in care, it must be disclosed. So really, one must disclose treated jade, but too often there's a lack of disclosure. Often it's due to ignorance, but sometimes it is due to deceit. A lot of people just don't know if jade could even be treated. Like I said earlier, walked into a big box store, they don't even know that jade can be treated. And if you say, oh, is your jade natural? They're likely to say, oh, uh, yeah, I think so. Because they really don't know any better. Well, yeah. And 
I mean, there are even jade sellers who just out of ignorance, they don't even know that nephrite and jadeite are both called jade. They don't know that jade can be treated or natural. And this ignorance is not fair to the customer. And in fact, I believe, and I'd love to get your perspective on this, that this myth that's been perpetuated that jade is brittle, which of course it's not, I believe that that myth really comes from the prominence of bee jade on the market being sold as natural and of course the bj bangles are very brittle and they do break very easily giving customers the impression that jade is weak well that's the only reason that could be for that impression because jade is very tough and people should know jade is tough it's been something that has been understood for centuries so if jade is being considered as brittle these days it's only because of the advent of impregnated jadeite in the last what, 30, 40 years. And there's also a myth that jade changes color over time and natural jadeite is very stable, but that probably comes from dyed jade um, fading without people realizing that it's dyed. Chinese beliefs as far as jade changing colors, if somebody's healthy, it gets richer. If somebody's unhealthy, it might lose some color. So you might be alluding to some of those myths as well could certainly be dyed jadeite losing color. And that's why people think that it changes color, but that's not as much of a color change as much as just losing color. So I think it's for the, uh, the first reasons I mentioned, the beliefs that jade can and does change color based on people's health. Really that's, we think more likely due to skin oils. And maybe if somebody is healthy, they have very strong skin oils that help the luster of the jade. And maybe the reverse is true. If you're not healthy, you're not sure. But uh, those are all very interesting beliefs. The Chinese have all kinds of wonderful beliefs. But back to treated jade, I want to go over some indications of treated jade that you might get without infrared spectroscopy. Because when you're out there buying jade from a customer that might have walked into the store, you don't have an infrared spectrometer, and you might not have the time to send a piece to our company or the GIA or somebody that is able to test for you. So just quickly, I'll go over some of the ways in which you can... um, at least have indications of possible treated jade. The first and foremost is the price-value relationship. Too often you see pieces that look fantastic that are far too cheap. Too good to be true. We all know the too good to be true statement. Usually that's true. It's too good to be true. Sometimes you can get a great buy, but most of the time when you see a piece that exhibits a fine color, a nice translucency, and it's very inexpensive, you should be very suspicious. Cutting style is another factor. Good jade is cut to the best use of the rough, and therefore you don't get calibrated sizes uh, unless you just by coincidence happen to fall on one. But if stones are calibrated sizes, 18 by 13 millimeters, 16 by 12, 14 by 10, and so on, chances are that's not a natural stone less expensive stones and certainly treated jade is very inexpensive waste is not an issue and they can cut to specific sizes Uh, often flat backs can be an indication i've seen plenty of flat backs in natural stones but um, more often than not natural stones have a little bit of a concave back and treated stones often have a flat back to make it nice easy cut Crude carvings in better material are usually signs of treated material. A 
a carving shop is going to give fine material to their best carver and they're going to come up with a good carving. If you see very poor carvings, crude carvings on nice material or nice looking material, chances are it's not natural. We haven't really gotten into qualities of jade, but the more intense the color, certainly the better. And the higher the level of translucency, the better. And obviously what you want is both uh, intense color and high translucency, but those things are very rare to have together. And when you do have those together, it, it yields a very, very expensive stone. So, but yes, when you see a vivid green that might have some translucency in a, in a poor cut piece, chances are it's treated. The next is iron staining. Uh, that's one of the negative attributes you see in natural jadeite and often it is removed when it is polymer impregnated. So when you see a piece of jade that has, usually in green jade, that has some yellowish, brownish, blackish staining in it, that's an indication that it's natural because that staining would have been removed if it was impregnated. Is that considered an inclusion? I suppose so, yeah. I guess inclusions in jade seem to be a little bit different, I guess, because it's an aggregate. So maybe they're not as clearly defined as inclusions in, say, sapphire. Correct. In inclusions in jadeite aren't something we hone in on too often and worry about too much. Obviously, the more even, the better. But, uh, you know, unevenness isn't necessarily a bad thing if the base color is a lighter color and the spotting or streaking in a given piece of jade is a deeper, nicer, more attractive color, that adds to the value. So, you know, the sense that the more even, the more valuable is mostly true, but not always. So, you know, inclusions in jade aren't that much of an issue. Certainly, you know, not like diamonds, where every inclusion makes a big difference and lowers the grade and lowers the value. You know, an inclusion will lower the value a touch in jade, but nowhere near like in a diamond or in, you know, ruby, emerald, sapphire. The next thing I'll mention as far as indications of BJ without using infrared spectroscopy or any fancy equipment is specific gravity. If you do have a piece you can weigh, uh, jade is often a little bit lighter if it has been impregnated. There are some jades, natural jades, that are a little bit lighter. There are some treated stones that will weigh what natural jade weighs. 334, by the way, is specific gravity for, for jadeite. You know, again, it's just an indication, but it can be a pretty good indication. Uh, fluorescence is another one. B-jade often exhibits a slight to moderate fluorescence under long wave. Natural jadeite rarely does. So that's, that's a good indication. Again, natural jadeite can and has, and sometimes B-jade doesn't. So that's, that's an indication. Uh, sonority. Sonority is a good one. Mainly for bangles, though, sonority relates to the ability to move sound. And in a bangle that has some good translucency, and most treated bangles will have translucency. That's the whole point behind treating them, really. A bangle with translucency, when you strike it with another hard material, should give a bit of a ping sound for a second or two. I'm about to do it, so listen here. That's the sound of a natural bangle with some translucency. Natural bangles that are included uh, won't have such a ping. They'll have more of a thud. But as I say, treated bangles are almost always translucent. So if you strike a bangle with another hard material, another piece of jade is perfect, it should have that nice ping you just heard. 
I am now about to strike a bangle that is a lovely translucent bangle, but it is treated, and this is what that sounds like. Very noticeably different. Yeah, very different. So, again, that's what a uh, included bangle will sound like. So, if you're talking about you know bangles that don't have good translucency, don't expect a high ping. Sometimes you will get one actually, but if you don't, that doesn't mean that it's uh, treated. And it's important to note that all of these are indicators and aren't necessarily conclusive. As you mentioned with each one, there are reasons that it can and reasons that it can't be necessarily an absolute as to whether or not it's natural. And that's why spectroscopy is always the best way. Absolutely. But if you know, if you have two or three of these that come together, like if it's a calibrated size and it fluoresces under long wave, you could be pretty darn sure it's BJ. Back to the sonority issue for a second though. There's one thing I want to mention because this throws people off too. A quartz bangle will have wonderful sonority. So if you hit a bangle and it pings lovely for a second or two, it doesn't mean that it is definitely natural jadeite. If it is jadeite, then almost certainly it's natural, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's jadeite because other materials, mainly quartz, can ping beautifully. So just keep that in mind. And it's worth noting too that quartz is a very common simulant of jadeite, isn't it? It's the most common, yeah, the most common. Sometimes in natural forms, aventurine quartz is natural, chrysoprase is natural. Those are often confused uh, for jade. But more than those, you see dyed green quartz, and it's just made to look like jade. You see bangles and dyed green quartz. They look like $100,000 bangles, um, but they're $20 quartz bangles. And the last item I will mention as far as indications without infrared spectroscopy is a microscopic analysis. BJade will often exhibit a floating spots or areas of color and a web-like structure on the surface. Uh, sometimes you'll see accumulated resin uh, visible in the fissures and uh, carving crevices and maybe even bead drill holes. So Microscopic analysis can be helpful too. And like you said, all these are, are good indicators, but to be sure, one has to use either infrared spectroscopy or something even more involved than that. Well, it's wonderful that the industry has a resource like Mason K. Jade for testing and for information. And then, of course, you know, actual grading labs like GIA and AGL are <laughs> obviously qualified to test Jade as well. Of course. Uh, the reason that a lot of people like to use us is... Unlike the labs, we can give them value information. The labs are not involved in that, nor should they, of course. So we provide a helpful service. Obviously, we have a, you know, a nominal fee for the service. We have to cover our time. But if you do have a piece of jade that you are asked to do an appraisal on, or you just purchased uh, off the street, or any of those reasons, uh, feel free to send it to Mason K. We'd be happy to help you test it, identify it, and if it's natural, help you with the value. And if you're offering it for sale, possibly make you an offer if it's something of interest. Wonderful. And Jeff, we are getting close to the end, so I want to start wrapping up here. But I do want to discuss what advice do you have for retailers in the jewelry industry who are working with Jade customers or trying to get more Jade customers into their store? Yes, that's a good point. There are a lot of Jade customers in markets where stores don't carry jade. We get calls all the time from people asking where they can find our jade. And we try to recommend stores in their area and they say they can't find any. It's, uh, it can be frustrating sometimes. But as far as what 
stores need to know. You know, a little education helps. We'd be happy to educate them. We spend hours all the time educating people on jadeite because a little education goes a long way. Uh, when it's obvious you don't know as much as your buyer does, they're not going to be confident in your ability to sell them. So knowing just a little bit helps, and I'd be happy to spend just a few minutes with anybody anytime. But real quickly here, you know, the, the understanding the differences between nephrite and jadeite is important, and that's simple enough. Always understanding which pieces are nephrite versus which pieces are jadeite. Just an RI helps, you know, jadeite is 166, nephrite is 161, far enough apart even for a spot RI to be differentiated if you have a gemologist in your store. That's the easiest way. Specific gravity is another way if it's a small enough piece uh, and loose. But And, you know, understanding the different colors and the simple fact, as I said earlier, that the more intense the color in, in, in any and all of the colors, the better and the more translucent a piece is, the better. There are different hues of color, as I said, too, and you know the intensity is important, but if it's the wrong hue and it's intense, uh, it doesn't help as much as if it's the right hue and maybe not quite as intense. So you wanna get the right hue. You can certainly visit masonk.com. We have a color chart on our site, as well as many other helpful links, and one can use it to compare and request things. If a customer has a request and they want something in a certain color, you can communicate that via a number. You know, you're looking for color number 17, so we know exactly what color you're talking about, those, those kinds of things. Other than that, I would say you gotta have inventory, because obviously if you don't have any jade, you're not gonna sell any jade. Uh, we'd be happy to work with retailers and, and memo pieces to them to sell to retail uh, customers. But if you don't have any jade in your store, I would assume a consumer is going to look for a store that does have some jade and thinks that they deal in jade. And for retailers who want to get an idea of inventory and pricing, there is the Mason K online portal at masonkshowroom.com. And that's a wonderful resource that you can use as a buyer. And even with customers in store, you can have a customer account set up with the markup of your choice. That way you and your customer can browse together or you can have a separate login for your customer to browse inventory at home. And this is a really great way to get familiar with with styles, colors, prices, and be really prepared for any customer that might walk in the door with a call. Exactly, yeah, you, you, you hit it on the nose. The showroom allows retailers to have depth of product. We try to allow a retailer to compete with these internet sources that have unlimited availability of product. If somebody is interested in Jade, you might have a few pieces in your store, or if you don't, Either way, you can take them to a computer and show them thousand pieces, maybe more. The reality is wherever your store is, there are Jade customers there. Now, whether they're shopping with a local brick and mortar retailer or online is is kind of up to those independent retailers in that area, how much they know and what they're willing to carry. What a lot of Jade customers, unfortunately, don't know is that People on the internet really can't be trusted. And there's a lot, lot of fake jade online. I've seen too many sellers online that are very unscrupulous and sell product that is treated and they just say right on their site is genuine. And genuine is a very dangerous word. Genuine is a way to say that it's 
jade as opposed to quartz or serpentine or nephrite jade or something, but they're not really disclosing fully whether it's natural or not. So genuine is really is, is really not the right term. What they have to be asked is, is this natural or is it treated? If they say it's treated, then they're lying to you. People lie. The internet is full of lies. And so my advice to customers who are trying to find a trustworthy store for jade is to is to find a mason k jade retailer and honestly if a customer has done any amount of research at all and they see a jewelry store's website with the mason k logo with the mason k name that bears a lot of weight and there's probably going to be more trust in that retailer because of that well obviously i'm not going to argue with you about that no just if you're a, a retail consumer and you want a piece of jade, walk into your jewelry store, your local jewelry store, and ask for Mason K Jade so you know you're going to get natural product. Absolutely. It is always best to shop with your local independent jewelry store. For anyone out there who has any more questions about jade, we recommend going to masonk.com. If you are a retailer interested in signing up for our online portal, visit masonkshowroom.com. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us today. Everyone who's listening, we would really appreciate a like and a subscription if this podcast helped you at all. And if you have any questions, you can always call Mason K Jade. You can speak to an owner anytime. And of course, Hunter and I are available as a resource as well. Thanks so much for listening.